Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, my dear friends. The opening music was by Salve Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Salve. The CD is often as many spiritual songs from Native American instruments and Gregorian chanting that's unlike anything you've ever heard before. If you'd like to order a copy, contact Save, S-A-V-A-E dot org. We also have a phone number, 210-573-6335. And there is also on Facebook, and they do live shows. And you can listen to them, of course, anytime for free on YouTube. You can also buy their CD on Amazon. That's where I found mine. Uh, good morning again. I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCann. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for a spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, and you can use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude and faith, we have an ongoing Bible study reading and discussion about our spiritual experiences. And I've just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me, and I just read the Bible and keep it real simple here. The call-in number and also the call-in number to listen is 619-924-9744. And we do air every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. for an extended time. You can listen either on your computer or on your phone uh, during that hour and uh, <clears throat> from anywhere, actually, in the world. Now let's go to our opening prayer and let's say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for listening to our prayer. We all pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide and the freedom to worship and lives are in constant jeopardy. We pray that all those suffering from violence here and at home and abroad, we pray for those who are suffering at the hands of the terrorists and the one person that just lost their life from Japan. We're very sorry of what's going on, and we pray that the terrorists are stopped, and I feel that they will be stopped soon. That's just my feeling about this whole thing. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against every evil and put them in the all your angels and watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals or animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and they make them on our behalf, and we are praying for all countries for problem of suffering all over the world. We want to thank you, God, for helping us. And we ask this Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And we ask in Jesus' name to keep us and everyone in our families in your thoughts and in your prayers. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Happy birthday to everybody having a special birthday or anniversary today. Um, God bless you for a very happy and blessed and prosperous year ahead. And I hope you have just a wonderful, wonderful birthday today. Yesterday was my actual recovery birthday. I'm 34 years sober by the grace of God, and um, that was as of yesterday. I want to thank everybody. Oh, I have so many well wishes on Facebook that I'm embarrassed. There's so many. I want to thank you all so much. Okay, so um, if you have a pr- special prayer request or a positive intention, you know, you can get a hold of me. Char McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. And, of course, you can call me here at 619-924-9744. 
And if you don't have your Bible today, I read out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but if you, there is www.biblegateway.com and www.biblia.com. And uh, we're going to, we're actually, I'm just going to read you the summary from last week as we're in Romans now. We made it all the way through the Romans and we're now we're in chapter 3, but today I'm going to give you a summary of what happened last week and what's going on in Romans uh, chapter 2. Okay, before we all get judgmental about others, and then it says here, wait, didn't Paul just do that? There's one more important thing to remember. When you pass judgment on someone else, that makes you just as bad as them. Oh, no, you may say, that can't be right. I totally know God hates all things, so it's fine for me to judge other people in doing that, right? Wrong, Paul says. Nice try, though. When you judge someone else, it's like you're saying you've never done anything bad. We all know that's not true. <clears throat> Basically, the idea is that you shouldn't call other people out for doing something wrong when you're doing stuff wrong, too. Just don't be the judge. You know, God and Jesus is our judge, so... Stay out of that. So that's what basically chapter 2 was doing. And uh, and he was talking about some pretty harsh things that were going on, yet don't judge. Because judging may be fun, but it's going to come back and get you. So look, God is a kind, gentle guy, and he's trying to help you be kind and gentle too. But if you spend all your time being angry about what other people are doing, he can't really make a dent in that. Anger is a tough armor to crack. You know, they're vicious and angerness and... That's what that chapter 2 was about. And once you've filled your heart up with anger, God is going to have to give that right back to you on Judgment Day. So sorry, angry hearts. It's not looking good for you. And God rewards people to, to do, who do good and punishes those who do bad. It's a pretty simple formula. Paul assures us that it doesn't matter if we're Gentiles or Jews. God sees us all the same way. He has the same rules as for everyone. God's so fair and balanced. And the most important thing, God, isn't just what you hear, what he has to say, but you act on what you hear. For example, Jews are supposed to be following Jewish law in order to be good people. But if a Gentile also unknowingly follows the law, and in the process it becomes a good person, won't God be happy about that too? And what Paul is saying is, yes, God will be happy about that. And he's talking about circumcision, uncircumcision again, and you don't have to have a uh, circumcision, that you have the circumcision of the heart. It means a relationship with God in your heart. It doesn't matter what's going on the outside. Anyway, that's it. That's for uh, chapter 2. So this, we're going to go on get your Bible ready, and uh, we're going on to chapter 3. And, and the, the title of this is He... He did not believe in the promises of God. Okay, chapter 3, Romans. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every aspect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then, if some did not believe? Their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true though every man has been found a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if your unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The, the God who inflicts wrath is, is not unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. May it never be, for otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if through my lie the truth of God is abandoned, abounded, 
to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as we slanderously reported, and as some claim we say, let us do evil that good may come? Their condemnation is just. So he was talking about how people twist things around. The condemnation of all men. What then, after we better, are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin, and it is written, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who, who seeks God for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of the asps under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whenever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may come to accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. And for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Okay, righteousness, imputed, justification, salvation. Now we're at 21, verse 21. Of Romans 3. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no destruction. Distinction, sorry. For all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the famous verse, Romans 23. 3.23, now you know it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're being justified as a gift by the grace, His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displays publicly as a propitiation of His blood through His faith. This is, was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed for their forgiveness. That's what that means to me, forgiveness. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he be just and justifier with one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. But what kind of law? Of what works? No, by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of good law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not only the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we then nullify the law before through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Let's go back and read the notes so we can get an explanation for all this. Okay, so we're reading the notes now for three. Advantage. A Jew had the advantage of special revelation of God's law, yet that could not save him, for he is not able to keep it. The law increased his responsibility, but demonstrated his inability to live up to God's standards. The oracles of God, the promises of God to Jews found in the scriptures, and do not believe. May it also mean we're unfaithful. In either case, God remains faithful to his promises. And then the note for four is 
man be found a liar. Men should believe it. They all have broken their word rather than God had broken his. And does God use man's sin to glorify himself? No, otherwise he would have to abandon all judgment. In these verses, Paul quotes and paraphrases a number of Old Testament passages. That's what I was reading when I was reading 11 through 18. Okay, notice that the various parts of the body are involved in sin. 3.20, function of the law. Paul says it's to give knowledge of or about sin, not to save from sin, because we have free will. Okay, righteousness. Used in various ways in the Bible, righteousness refers to God's character, to the gift that is given to everyone who receives Christ, and to the standards of right living. In the Old Testament, witness to God's righteousness in places like Genesis and this verse links the justification from God's righteous servant, Jesus. All have sinned. All have sinned. The same verb in form as 5.12, which associates the entire human race with Adam's sin. Fall short is the present tense, indicating continuing action. Sin is defined on 1 John 3.4 as lawless, and here's a lack of conformity to the glory of God. These are complementary complementary ideas since the law of God is an expression of his character. That's all we have to read and learn and listen carefully to what we're teaching here. Justify. To justify the legal term meaning to secure favorable verdict, to acquit, to vindicate, to declare righteous uh, as a gift without cause, to be found uh, in us by his grace, unmerited favor, is an act of God who takes the initiative and provides the means through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. The sinner who believes in Christ receives God's gifts of righteousness, which then enables God to pronounce him righteous. On redemption, then there's another note. Propitation. Here is, this may mean that the place of propitation, the mercy seat, uh, Christ is pictured as as the mercy seat where God ho- God's holy demands are satisfied. Okay. And then the faith in the blood of Christ redeems us, places us in Christ, gives us the gift of righteousness, thus enabling God to truthfully declare us righteous. Because we are in him, sins previously committed are forgiven, and the death of Christ also paid fully for the sins committed before he died. And so now we're at 3.26, that he should be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. Because of the death of Christ, God can remain just just when declaring righteousness to the one who believes in Jesus and who thus forgiven of his sins and made righteous in Christ. And then 3.31, the role of the law is in making men conscious. It's confirmed by everyone who acknowledges sin and turns to Christ in faith. Wow. So next week we're going to be reading uh, chapter 4. And let's see. I have two little books to pick from. So one is my guidepost, Death's Beloved Stories. The other one is Angels on Earth. So I'm going to go back to our little guideposts that we've been reading uh, on and off for a while. And let's see. Okay, so it's a little story called Shoot for the Moon, and this is by Norman Vincent Peale of Pauling, New York. Three weeks before his 92nd birthday, one of the most famous alumni of Ohio Wesleyan University, 
delivered the commencement address of the class of 1992. His advice to graduates is an inspired challenge to young and old alike, so this is it. As I look over the great assembly, I have decided that you folks are a better audience than I spoke to the other night. On that occasion, I was a speaker at the annual dinner of the Missouri State Association of Funeral Directors and Embalmers. This exciting gathering was held in Kansas City. When I arrived, I went to a little room off the main ballroom where the head table was gathering. They were leading under, they were the leading undertakers of the state. They were all clad in tuxedos, and everyone had his lapel of white carnation. I was in a tuxedo also. It only remained to affix a white carnation to my lapel. A later undertaker had decided to do this job. She was very charming and quite diminutive and had some difficulty in, in a standing position in affixing this flower. She fumbled around and finally exasperated and said, you know, Dr. Teal, I could do a much better job if this, if this were you laying down. Gosh, a commencement speaker must be brief, so I'm going to be. My role model is the late Prime, Prime Minister of Great Britain, Winston Churchill. He was prevailed upon to be the headmaster of his old school, Harrow, to give a commencement speech. The boys told us that there would be a, uh, an event that they would remember because Churchill was one of the greatest orators of his time. They were to come prepared to take notes and listen attentively. Churchill rose, went to the podium, let a silence fall, and then said, never, never, never give up. Then he sat down. When asked, why did you do it that way, Churchill said, as I sat looking at this class and realized how much each of them would go through, I wanted to prepare them for the discouragement they'll feel in years to come. Now, I'm not Churchill, but I am going to emulate him by saying two things to you today. Considering the world that you're soon to enter, I want you to remember that your graduation day, the speaker said, always be a thinker. You can think your way through anything and come out victorious. If you don't yield to emotion, but you are a creative thinker. Thinking is important. Buddha, the great scholar of antiquity, said, the mind is everything, what you think you become. Marcus Aurelius, the, the Roman emperor, said, Our life is what our thoughts make. So think, think, think your way through life. Thomas Edison, the inventor, was a great thinker. I never met him, but I knew his son, Charles, the governor of New Jersey. I didn't know that. Charles idolized his father. He once told me, Norman, Dad, you often said that the primary purpose of the human body is to carry the brain around. Anyway, that means that the thing about you that is sovereign to you is your thinking mind. Remember that. Do everything in your power to enhance the creative uh, ability of your mind. My second point, one I hope you will never forget, is be a believer. Believe in the destiny of your country, the United States of America, and believe in the economic system even when it's in trouble. You're looking at a man who lived through a depression which lasted five years, during that time, I heard a distinguished economist predict America will never have prosperity again. My belief, belief was severely tested at that remark, but my positive attitude was right because we soon moved to the greatest era of prosperity this country has ever known. So believe in America's economic system. It is the best in the world and will produce untold prosperity when citizens think and believe. And most importantly, believe in God. If you're a Christian, believe in Jesus Christ, the greatest intellect known to man. Believe in your family, believe in your community, and finally, believe in yourself. This commencement means a great deal to me, for I once received the same diploma you will soon be given. 
It was 72 years ago in 1920. I sat where you sit. It was a June day, for we went to school longer in those days. But I can see my classmates even now. It was the springtime of our young lives, and we were enthusiastic. We were positive thinkers. We were believers. We had a great class of men and women, and you are a good, great class here today. I have lived in New York City for more than 60 years, and I have known every mayor in the city over that time. The greatest of them all was Fiorla LaGuardia. Yep. His name is now connected with the airport, but LaGuardia was quite a man. He was a stalwart character, a great leader, enthusiastic believer, and a creative thinker. A young woman who worked for LaGuardia when he was congressman before he was mayor. She went to lunch one day, overwhelmed by her inferiority complex. At 4.11, she regarded herself as a shrimp who couldn't do anything. Returning from lunch, she happened to get into the elevator with LaGuardia. Always interested in young people, he said to her, Young lady, what are your goals? I have no goals, Mr. LaGuardia. Look at me, I'm a shrimp. What can I do? That was too much for LaGuardia. Young lady, listen to me, he said. You trust God, believe in him, and believe in yourself. You can do anything. Then with a wave, LaGuardia exited the elevator. She looked at him and realized he too was short. LaGuardia was five foot two, but that interchange worked a miracle. The young woman saw him as a giant of a man, which he was. You too are a giant. Go from this historic campus and do great things. You quote a friend of mine, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss it, you will land among the stars. I hear the bell. That must mean a class bell. It tolls for you. I hear it saying, be a giant. Go change the world. Wow. God bless you. Well, I enjoyed that, and I want to thank you all for listening today. You know, it's been a very blessed day. I know that there's hardships that are happening in your life and the world. You may be sick. You may be tired. You just Are you tired if you're retired or you have to get up and get to work tomorrow morning? I just want you to hold your chin up and be the kings and queens that you are. It's going to be okay. Never give up. Just never give up. And I want to thank God for all the lessons that we've learned here today. It's been a real blessing to be reading and uh, learning as we go through the Bible and hearing it from the Word itself. And I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, why don't we do our traditional closing prayer? After a moment of silent meditation for those who are still suffering, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week and bring your family and friends. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have a straight face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you, and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember, you can message me. You can write me. And you can find me on Facebook. Love you guys. God bless you. Bye-bye, my friends.